I'm Jasmine. I'm Alyssa. I'm Rhiannon. And this, this is Books, Books Between, Between Sisters. Compliments to our DJ, Devin. DJ Devin. Yeah. Well, welcome back. This is our second episode. Oh my goodness. So much to talk about. That was a crazy finish to the book. I admittedly just finished this book as I drove into the driveway to start this podcast today. Hopefully you were driving. Yeah, I was multitasking, driving, and <laughs> see you doing it. <laughs> That's real commitment right there. Yeah. But um, to kick us off, I guess maybe just a synopsis of how we finished out. Um, to start us out, let's introduce ourselves. So I'm Jasmine, the oldest. I'm Alyssa. I'm the middle. I am Rhiannon. I am the youngest. We're all book lovers. We've made this podcast so that we can have some time together, read some books, have somebody to talk to about it. <laughs> so yeah, very exciting. So um, yeah, I mean, we have lots to talk about. This is not a spoiler free podcast. So please, if you have not read this book and you do want to read the book, please pause on this podcast. Go pick yourself up a copy of The Breakdown B.A. Paris. That is what we are um, reading right now. And come back, join us and let out all of your feelings with us in this uh, this podcast. This is for book lovers. Uh, we Where we finished off last time was Cass was having this major breakdown. So forgetting lots of things, lots of things um, seemed really weird. You guys mentioned how you picked up on weirdness between Rachel and Matthew. And I am completely oblivious <laughs> to those kinds of things. Um, but lots of things were happening. So she was forgetting appointments. She was forgetting, um, I don't know, just her she, purse at home. Forgetting how, well, in the first half, yeah, where she parked her car. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Forgetting how to do things. Forgetting, yeah. She was still getting those silent phone calls too. Getting silent phone calls. We have this whole murder in the mix with uh, Jane, who was becoming her friend. Jane was murdered, and this is just propelling Cass into this major spiral. This major breakdown. Very well-fitted uh, title to this book. Um, and then something I have a kind of a, not a peeve, a pet peeve, that's not the right word, but I have a slight issue with is when we finished off in that last chapter, she was wor really worried about her neighbor, um, the neighbor possibly being the murderer. And they invited the, or Matthew had invited him over for dinner. Yeah. What the heck happened to that plot? I point? know That's they never brought that back up. Yeah. That was very, very strange. Yeah. We never learned what happens with that. 
Um, not even like a night of like, oh yeah, he came over or whatever. And like, maybe nothing happens, but yeah, nothing. Especially, I think it was a missed opportunity. Cause he was like unknowingly tormenting this, <laughs> this poor girl. And it would seem like it was going to be a, you know, at least something that worth mentioning, if not a big part of the story. And yeah, just nothing. No, I agree. I think it was worth mentioning. I think it was a missed opportunity to add another suspicious person into the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, as you guys were saying last time, you guys were picking up pretty heavily on something going on with Rachel and Matthew, which is fine, but you didn't know for sure, right? And so if we would have been able to have that neighbor kind of thrown in, coming over for dinner, spiraling cast a little bit more, we would have been like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. So I think it was a missed opportunity, but I mean, I'm still in love with this book. I thought it was really great. Um, As we continued on with the remainder of the book, we still see a few more instances of her forgetting things and just she ends up having this major, major breakdown. Um, Matthew and her are going to a spa appointment and he decides to drive her down Blackwater Lane. That's where Jane was murdered. And Cass just loses it, completely loses it, has this major breakdown. She ends up overdosing on the pills as well. So we're like, what in the world? Like, is she just really forgetting all of this stuff or what's going on? Because she was also not taking the pills when Matthew was home, I think on the weekend. So she started storing pills in her bedside um, drawer bedside drawer yeah so but making him think that she was taking them yeah and then it just made her so lethargic yeah that she's like i don't want matthew to see how lethargic i am on the weekends when he's home with me yeah she was afraid that he would make her stop taking them yeah and they were actually really helping her well they were like, well she in her eyes they were really right. helping her she'd rather feel nothing than yeah. the chaos that she was feeling, uh, when she was lucid. Yeah. So we keep seeing this progression of a breakdown and she ends up, or Matthew and her talk about her not going back to work because the school year's coming around. And, um, yeah, it's just a lot of that same, you know, breakdown. And then a bomb is dropped. We, uh, Cass, uh, ends up wanting to meet up with Rachel to finally talk to her about all of these things that have been going on. They make arrangements to meet up with each other at the Spotted Cow. I didn't look that up. I wonder what that is. Like a, just a coffee place. I don't know. It seemed kind of like a restaurant. It did. Uh, Yeah, that's true. It did. Um, but yeah, so they make arrangements and Rachel says specifically, I can't meet for about an hour, an hour or so. Th- yeah. Yeah. And so Cass decides to go early to go get a new phone because she had just been tormented by all of these phone calls and everything. She just was so done. And so she had hidden her phone to Matthew. She lost it. And so she was like, I'm going to go get a new phone. She sees Rachel sitting in the spotted cow when she gets there. And she's like, what the heck? Why is Rachel here already? And she sees John sit down with her. I was like, ooh. John. Oh no, John, no. I want to just say this. I never doubted John. <laughs> not, the whole not, time. Not for a single second. I did. 
no. <laughs> I was like, nope, they're trying to make this too obvious. Trying to him. put it yeah, on him way too obvious. It, uh, there has to be a reasonable explanation. Like I, John, I was riding with you the whole time. I knew you were good. I knew. Yeah. So, but I will say I was a little scared for Alex. Really? For just a minute. And I want to apologize because Alex is literally <laughs> my favorite character. But just a reminder, Alex is Jane's husband. husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what made you suspicious of Alex? So it was something that, so when um, Cass had went and she decided to tell him that she was there the night that um, Jane had Jane, why am I blinking? Yes, Jane. <laughs> the night that Jane had died, um, he had said, first of all, I want to say that I did cry <laughs> at this moment Aww. because the quote that I put down is he said, as he went over and he's holding a picture of his two girls, too many lives have been ruined by Jane's death. Don't let it ruin yours. That was such a sweet moment. That that broke my heart. What I did you suspect of such a sweet person. So the reason why but though not John, is though. right. Well, no, <laughs> but I have a reason. I have a reason. Ride with me. He's so for one. He says to Jane that the calls are not coming from the murder. He was very animate about them not being from the murder and I was like how can you be so so sure like how would you know and then he said if I could have um he said if I could have spared you any of it I would have but I had no idea that Jane's murder could impact anyone other than our family Mm, yeah that was suspicious to me too I can see it almost seemed like he had something to do with it like how why would you Say it like that. The verbiage is weird. Yeah, yeah, the verbiage was very strange. So I doubted him for a second. And this was after we find out what is happening to Jane, too. And they they basically say that the who's messing with her head is not the same person who's the murder. You mean Cass? Yeah, so... Yes, the Cass. same person messing with Cass is not, not the, murder. the murder. And yeah. so then that's why I got really scared because I was like, oh, no, maybe it was Alex. Maybe. So, again, I'm so sorry. You're my wow. favorite character. <laughs> I'm sorry I doubted you. We apologize, Alex. <laughs> fake fictional. That character. was a horrible thing to go through, though. <laughs> I never doubted Alex. I just feel like he wasn't, well, and that's not fair to say, because I, I was going to say he w- just wasn't a big enough part of the story, which obviously that's not always an indicator that somebody is not going to become a major part of the ending. He was just too sweet. I yeah. mean, the, the quote that you said, I was like, wow, that's yeah. just, mm, Cass, you're single now. So, I mean, well, not, not, yeah, but All right. So for John, though, they were setting John up pretty hard. They were, you know, yeah. I honestly thought that Cass was going to end up with John in the end of this. Maybe she does. I mean, they left it open. She said, we have a lunch date. Remember, I owe you lunch. That's true. This is the first time, though, that I'm like, I can't decide. Like, I would be happy either way. Alex or John, Alex or John. Like, I feel like both 
both would be really good endings for her. I think John deserved his shot from the very beginning. So yeah. I got to be team John. Yeah. But again, they're stacking John up because of the fact that she had went into that boutique that one day said that, or yeah, the person is the cashier assumed that she was pregnant. She went along with it. Soon as she left, she ran into John talked about how he saw her walking out of there she assumes after, oh, well, I guess, so she, going back to the spotted cow, we completely left that conversation. She, she sees Rachel and John. So then she walks by the boutique or she goes into the boutique. Mm-hmm. I can't remember why she wanted to go in and talk to. Because at this point, I think she's suspicious. She knows something, something is going on because she mm-hmm. is she is suspicious of Matthew because of the conversation that she had with him about um, leaving teaching for a while. And he says um, something about um, after you, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says if something happens to you or something to that degree, then they would have to replace you anyways. And oh, so she yes. gets really suspicious of him. Cause she's like, why would you say it like that? Like you're sure something's going to happen to me. Yeah. So this, at this point she's kind of going to, into investigation. True. Mode. And then she's suspicious cause Rachel's there really early. Mm-hmm. She's suspicious cause John yep. is there meeting her. I don't remember it that way. I remember that after she saw John and Rachel, she was like super like oblivious to everything. She was like, oh, I wonder if they're dating. They'd make such a cute couple, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't remember her going into the boutique until after she left the restaurant with Rachel. But I could be wrong. I could just be thinking about it in like I haven't read it. Oh, my goodness. I just finished it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure she goes in before. I'm pretty sure she goes in before and she's asking. Um the sales lady, some question. So my beef with this whole part of it is as she's leaving the boutique, the lady says, Oh, your friend would have killed me if yes. Yeah. She said, your friend would have killed me if I had ordered the wrong crib or I don't, they don't call it a crib. I can't remember it. Pram. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And she continues walking out. Why didn't you turn around? That's my question. You're already suspicious. You already know something weird is going on and you decide to just walk out and not turn around and ask questions. Okay. So it's definite that she went to the boutique cause she was getting some prickles in the back of her brain. Um, because she, I looking at it right now, she sees Rachel and John in the spotted cow. She avoids passing by it again, but she goes into the boutique and she tells the lady that she's not coming to return the pram that had been delivered um, without her remembering that she ordered it, quote unquote. Excuse me. Um, But she um, said, I just wanted to say hello. And the lady says, I'm glad you did. I say goodbye and walk toward the door, amazed at how good I feel. By the way, it was the right pram, wasn't it? The navy blue one? Yes, I say smiling. Thank goodness for that. Your friend would have shot me if I'd got it wrong. I go into the street, her words echoing in my ears. Your friend. Had I misunderstood? Had she been referring to the couple who'd been in the shop at the same time as me? Maybe once I'd left the shop that day, she hadn't been sure which pram I'd ordered, and she had asked them if it was definitely the blue one I'd wanted. But she had said... 
friend and not friends. And anyway, she knew that they were just people who happened to be in the shop at the same time as me. So who was she talking about? Turn around, Cass, turn around. <laughs> yes, that is a moment where you're like, why don't you just turn, go back in and say, you said friend. Did you mean to say that? What friend are you referring to? I don't yeah. remember. Instead, she starts just making guesses and assumptions that it had to have been John because she realized that's when she ran into him. And I was like, stop assuming, go ask questions. You <laughs> literally have somebody you can ask. Right. So he starts assuming that John did it because he is in love with her and that he, you know, hates her now because she decided to marry Matthew instead of him. And so he's like, you know, concocting this whole thing of, you know, calling her and not, you know, those prank calls and even maybe murdering Jane because he didn't go back to the co-workers uh, house that night of the storm. She finds out. And so she assumes that, you know, maybe he was having uh, an affair with Jane and ended up murdering her that night. There's also that time when she um, had thought that it was the silent caller calling her and she picked up and John was on the phone and she had scared him because she started yelling, yeah, yelling. And so she thought, Oh, well that it must be him because maybe he was just playing it off. Yeah. So, so lots against John. Yep. However, we quickly start to realize as Cass meets Rachel at the spotted cow, she decides she doesn't fully trust Rachel now because she saw her with John. So she decides not to confess all of the things that she was going to say. She says that she wanted to talk about a Christmas present for Matthew. Rachel ends up like being super weird and saying she needed to go to the bathroom, came back, needed to leave. She, no, she, she asked her about uh, what's her face. The So she went on that trip. Oh, about Alfie. Yeah. And that's when she got like super weird. Yeah. Well, she gets weird. But um, she ends up leaving, saying she needs to leave. And there's this group of French students in the table next to them. And they end up, one of the French students approaches her and says, hey, my friend stole this phone out of your friend's bag as she walked by. It was a prank. I just wanted to make sure that it got back to her. And it's this, you know, burner phone. Cass is like, that's not Rachel's phone. And they end up all saying, yeah, no, we definitely took it from her bag. So she's like, okay, well, I'll, you know, get it back to her. She still doesn't believe that it's Rachel's, but she ends up flipping through it. And here comes all the incrimination. Dun, dun, dun. There is only one contact on it. One contact she calls. Somebody speaks right away. We don't get told who it is, but it's Matthew. But you know, <laughs> you know, at that point. And she doesn't, they, they don't, they make it seem like she doesn't really know that it's Matthew though. Yeah. That's what I picked up too. Yeah. And which was so weird. I'm like, how would you not know his voice? Like, I didn't get that. I got that. She did know who it was because it said something about her just like reality, just kind of bursting at that moment. But I think that the author left it just as a tiny bit more to string us along in suspense yeah. rather than like dropping that bomb on us. So, you know, Cass knows at this point, like, okay, 
It's going down. Like my whole life is shifting right now. So she ends up flipping through all of these text messages and holy cow, they concocted quite the web of deceit. And we get the answer to all of the reasons why Cass is having her memory losses. Yeah, they left everything out there. (laughs) All the evidence on one tiny device. Yeah. So, you know, um, Cass is wealthy because of her parents passing away. And Rachel is salty because she grew up with Cass and she was like a sister. Cass's parents were like her parents and Cass did not leave her, or give her any piece of the money or the inheritance that she got. I thought she was salty because the father didn't write her into the will. I think a little bit of both. Like she felt like the parents should have definitely left her something and she was upset Cass didn't even offer to give her anything. And so, um, your petty thing to do. It's <laughs> you, you weren't their money, child. Money kills. Um, but yeah, all of the memory losses. So you read about how, you know, they ordered the pram, they, you know, changed locks. Um, she finds in the garden shed, the microwave, their old microwave. And there was actually, it was replaced with a new microwave in the house. That's why she couldn't remember how to use buttons there's a coffee machine, their old coffee machine replaced with a new one in the kitchen that she, you know, didn't know how to work. I think even the washing machine, they changed out too. Cause she yeah, couldn't, cause she figure, couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah. So all of these things, like a huge, you know, um, the alarm company, apparently Matthew's a great forger. Yeah. So she couldn't tell her handwriting from his forgery, which is pretty interesting, but you know, all of this, all of the things that she had started forgetting was their doing, their perfect web of these memory concoction things. (laughs) And eventually she does start forgetting things because of the fact that we learned that there's the two pills that she was prescribed that she was taking, but Matthew was also putting two pills into her orange juice each day. So she was taking a double dose each day, which was making her super lethargic. The overdose was because of Matthew as well, because they found out through Rachel, because Cass had confided in Rachel that she wasn't taking pills on the weekends when Rachel, uh, when Matthew was home. They found where she was hiding it, and they didn't want to kill her, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, they purposely gave her an overdose, but didn't want to kill her. Yeah, I, I'm still unsure what their entire plan was. Yeah, that's what I was kind of like, too, because he was he was basically like... Uh, yeah, I'll give her an overdose. And um, Rachel was like, well, won't that kill her? And he's like, no, I won't kill her. But if it does, then our problem solved. Yeah. And I'm like, like then at that point, trying to then, kill her then. yeah, <laughs> if your purpose is to eventually kill her, then th- I mean, this would be the opportunity to make her overdose. It just was really weird. Yeah, I found that interesting as well. But yeah, they, they make her overdose to just really start nailing in the coffin of her just going crazy. And now Cass wants revenge. So she knows that Matthew and Rachel are having an affair. They know that they're after her money. She wants to, you know, get them back for what they've done to her. So she concocts this plan 
that she uh, she go well she goes around first to all of the different places. So she goes back to the boutique. She goes. Uh, she talks to Hannah back in the very beginning. She, she has a friend, Hannah, that, you know, there was this barbecue that Cass had forgot about. So she goes back and asks some questions, everything confirming that Matthew and Rachel are behind all of the things that she forgot. And so after that, she's like settled that, you know, this is definitely happening. And so she goes out to the garden shed because she read in the text messages that Rachel had purchased a knife that looked like the one that the murderer used to kill Jane so that they could play this trick on her. Um, There is that instance where she walks into the kitchen, she sees the big, huge knife, runs up to Matthew, Matthew comes down, and all that's left there is the knife, the kitchen knife that he was using to cut limes. And so she digs into the garden shed, she finds it, it's wrapped in a tea towel, the one that we hear here at the very beginning of the book that Rachel had brought back uh, for Cass as a gift. They always bought, or Rachel always bought them matching tea towels. And she's like, okay, this is my plan. You know, she, at this point she has no real suspicion that Matthew or Rachel are behind Jane's murder, but she wants to make it seem like it so that they get like scared. So she finds a knife. She calls the police the police come and she's like, I found this knife. She also called Matthew. She called, oh yeah, she called Matthew. She wants him to come home, but she wants the police to get there first. And she starts saying, you know, like, I know that my husband is having an affair with Rachel. I found this knife. It's just, you know, I knew Jane. Yeah, she's kind of playing a little bit dumb here. Like, she doesn't really know what's going on, even though she knows everything. She's not telling the police everything. She kind of wants to make it seem like she doesn't really know a lot. She's trying to put stuff together um, with them, but she's kind of giving them enough so that they can come up with their own conclusion of what's going on. The police already kind of feel like she is a little bit of an airhead because of all the things that she's done. Yeah, they came several times when she set off alarms. She's like... She's had panic moments. Exactly. So she's like, I'm going to play a part, basically, because they already think that. So I might as well act like it and give them all of these clues so that they can put it together. Yeah. So they're very interested. Very interested because here's this knife... Um, here is Rachel, uh, Matthew and Rachel having an affair here. They find out that Jane and Cass were friends, even though they were just becoming friends. And she also mentions the time where Matthew came to pick her up from the restaurant that her and Jane were at. Jane sees Matthew through the window and she looks shocked that he's there. And if you recall back when that happened, she thinks it's cause he's so good looking but now she tries, to, she's twisting it to the police of like, I think that maybe he recognized her or something because, she, you know, Rachel and her worked together. Maybe he'd seen them together and knew that Matthew was having an affair. Yeah. She's even connecting Rachel and turning Rachel's words back on her by saying that I think Rachel knows her too. She had mentioned something about um, having an argument with her in the parking garage the night she was murdered. Yeah, so. it was over a parking spot. So, mm-hmm. you know, she said that she didn't tell you guys because it would look suspicious. But I'm like, why would it be suspicious that I would murder, or, you know, why would I murder somebody over a parking spot? So she's definitely laying a foundation here. 
Matthew gets so excuse me. But yeah, she's also not laying all her cards on the table. She doesn't give the police the phone at this time. She doesn't mention anything about the phone. She's just kind of, like you said, laying a foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Matthew gets home and he's like, oh, did she set off the alarm again? My airhead wife. And they're like, nope, that's not why we're here this time. Can we talk? And they start asking questions about the knife, about you know, if him and Rachel have a relationship and they want to continue the conversation at, you know, downtown and they end up arresting Matthew, taking him. And, uh, it's funny because Cass wants Rachel to come visit her instead of telling her over the phone. Cause she's like, I just want to see her face when she, <laughs> when she finds out. And she's like, I bet that Rachel is going to try to contact Matthew on the way over to my house She's going to be even more panicked by the time she gets here because she's not going to get a hold of him. And it's true. When she gets there, Rachel's like, is it Matthew? And Cass is like, why would you think it's Matthew? Mm -hmm. Well, just because I figure that something, you know, you said there was something wrong. I figured it was Matthew. Well, it is. He's arrested. She's like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Why would they think that he killed Jane and all of these things? And then she has to go. I'm like, man, Rachel, you are like totally losing your ability to, you know, even be pretend to be the supportive friend at this moment, because who just says that they have to leave immediately when your best friend's husband is arrested for a possible murder? She didn't even try to hide it anymore. No, I think at this point she's getting really annoyed with Cass, too. She's getting annoyed of pretending to be her friend, pretending that everything's normal. Um, I think that was even in the text messages. She's like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I just want um, to be together and for this to be over. And so you can definitely tell by her mood and the way that she's dealing with Cass now that she's really over it. Yeah. She's like, they're going to get a good 24 hours of, you know, just payback here because, you know, obviously they didn't kill Jane, but I need them to be on their toes and worried about it because they've done all of this to me. And Alex gives Cass a call. And what do we find out? They have the murderers in custody. Murderer. Er, er, yeah. Er, er, er. <laughs> <laughs> no S. <laughs> no, Matthew is surprisingly innocent of Jane's murder. However, Rachel is not. Rachel murdered Jane. I still believe that Matthew is involved with it. I do too. I, can, I mean, not maybe involved, but... He, I feel like he might have known about it. I don't think so. I don't think so. Cause all of the things that the police officer explained, I don't think Rachel would want to jeopardize her relationship with Matthew by telling him that somebody knew. I get that too. But the thing that was interesting to me was kind of going back to Cass and Cass's conversation with Matthew about her leaving um, the teaching for a while, um, she after she becomes suspicious of him, she thinks about, well, why does he think the murder? Um, why did he never ask her why she thinks the murder is after her personally? So that kind of was an interesting question. Like he never asked that question. You would think if he didn't know that it was Rachel, that he, that would be a question that he had. It was because he knew that they were making all of those things happen for her. So he knew that it wasn't the murderer because he knew that they were doing it. Yeah, that's true. That, Yeah. At the very beginning of the book, 
ever since I was suspicious of Matthew, I always knew he was a piece of garbage, but (laughs) (laughs) he was, he was an awful husband. Um, But at the very beginning, when he said that he had a migraine and he went into the other room, Cass never checked on him. They leave that open. Like he could have, he could have been gone. We We don't know. And we'll never know. Yeah, it was part of the setup. I I still think that he is innocent of Jane's murder just because Rachel was the one being berated by Jane now. So we find out that Jane had seen Rachel and Matthew at the office having sex. She didn't know that he was was having an affair at that point until she saw him picking Cass up at the restaurant. Now we learn that Cass doesn't know a lot about Rachel's romantic history, but the police officer clues us in that she had a relationship before, which was also an affair with a man that was married, had kids, and he actually left his family to be with Rachel and Rachel lost interest, broke off their relationship. He went back to his wife. The wife took him back, but then As soon as that happens, Rachel does it again with him and he tries to leave again. Again, she loses interest, which I'm just like, man, crazy. But he, he, she loses interest again. He tries to go back to his wife this time. She does not take him back. And so she breaks up this relationship. Well, we find out that that wife was Jane's best friend. So she's already got this history with Rachel that she's, you know, She hates Rachel. She broke up her best friend's marriage. And then she sees that she's doing it again with Cass's husband. And she's supposed to be Cass's best friend. And so she's like, you're not doing this again. You need to tell, you need to break it off or you need to tell them or tell Cass that this is happening. She follows up with Rachel. Rachel has not broke it off. And so Jane is like, well, I'm going to go ahead and go stop by and tell Cass what's going on. They make an arrangement to meet at the lay-by on Blackwater Lane so that Rachel can give her some information about why Matthew's having an affair, justifying it. And that's where Rachel ends up murdering Give her the time of day. Yeah. Just, just go. Just go and tell her. Don't don't give her a pass. Nope. Yeah. Just just go. Rachel's history also calls into question her motives with Matthew. Does she is she really in love with Matthew, or so. is it about the money? It was about the money. Mm-hmm. She has some, some real, so real issues really to me. <laughs> and you know, I felt like Cass was having some redeeming moments at the end of this book, and then the final few paragraphs of the book I'm just like Cass really she was like if I would have told Rachel that I had bought her the house for her birthday maybe this wouldn't have happened I thought about that too and I'm like all right I understand that you're oblivious but like no like she was a she was rotten to the core it didn't matter if you would have given her a house it didn't matter she wanted if, the money yeah she just she would have done any she had already broken up a family before this like no she was an awful person like she would have done this either way yeah she even feels bad for rachel she kind of has some empathy for her this woman who murdered (laughs) someone 
I guess that shows Cass's heart that she, you know, is a good person. But I'm just like, yeah, no way would I be sympathizing with Rachel at this point. Yeah, and I feel like even if Cass had given her some of the money or given her the house, I don't think it would have been enough. I feel like Rachel is very greedy and no matter what Cass had given her, I feel like she, it just wouldn't have been enough for her. Yeah. She wanted it all. Yeah. So that was the breakdown. Oh, but Matthew did end up getting arrested as well for trying to, uh, or not trying to, but overdosing. Yes. There's incriminating text messages about the overdose for sure. Well, there is some discussion questions at the back of the book. I want to ask you guys one of them. So let's see. Did you find Rachel and Matthew's scheme believable? Believable in what way? Like just uh, in a, this is a, you know, fictional book, obviously. Do you think that this could have happened in real life? That's how I interpret the question. I think so. I feel like yes, but it would have went differently. What do you mean? Like, like what you had said earlier about like, what was their objective? Like, was it to kill her or was it just to make her insane, put her in an a sane, a insane asylum or something? Like, it was just really unclear. I feel like people who are like that would have at the point where Matthew overdosed her just killed her at that point. Cause yeah. it's like, it's a matter of getting her wealth at this point like I do feel like enough suspicion had been built up against Cass as well of like her memory losses the stress that she was going through she's freaking out about this murder I feel like they had her in a pretty prime spot to like yeah she committed suicide because she just couldn't deal with it anymore but yeah that's a good point of just not fully understanding what the goal of their scheme was but I thought it was pretty believable I mean they the, the thing that I love about this book is nothing is left um, questioned as far as all of the memory losses that uh, Cass had had. So the author revisits all of those things, paints us a picture of like, this is exactly why this worked. So I thought it, I thought it was pretty believable. I will say that um, Matthew has to feel real real stupid being in jail and obviously it's going to come out that Rachel never had feelings for him. And really that's, that was really his only main motive because Cass, you know, he had, she had the money. He was married to her. She would have given him anything that he wanted. It wasn't like she kept the money just for herself. Like she, she's, she was very generous and it was like their money. Right. So the, really the only, you know, thing that Matthew was going off of is his, him wanting to be with Rachel, his infatuation with her. Yeah. And that wasn't even real. So mm. dang. Good. So I hope he Matthew. does. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I hope he sits there and is miserable. He has uh, time to think about it. Okay. Another question. Who is the true villain in the breakdown and is there a hero? Well, it's definitely Rachel. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Rachel? Hero. 
I feel like Alex is the hero. <laughs> I was going to say John. I'm like, John, you're the hero. I just he love was- how like forgiving Alex was like that. The, when she came and confessed that she was with um, Jane that night and like his reaction to it was just amazing. Like he, he didn't make her feel bad about it. He um, let her know, like, I don't think anything would have changed um, even if you did get out of the car and just the way that he handled it, it was just so satisfying to read. Yeah. I, I'm still team John. I feel like from beginning to end of this book, he was always there supportive. Obviously he's in love with Cass. Yes. I mean, we get that through the entire book, but never does he say a mean word to her. Neither do, ne- never does he say she's crazy Nothing like that. He He's even warns her about Rachel. Yeah. He, he tells, tells her to watch yeah, her back. Because Rachel had that time at the Spotted Cow when Cass saw Rachel and John together. It was because Rachel had arranged them to meet because she wanted to tell John about the overdose. And that Cass is essentially going crazy and wants her him to pass that message along to her boss at the school so that they can just continue this web of lies And John's not buying it. He's like, there's no way. I just saw her a couple months ago. There's no way she had this insane breakdown and now overdose. Like, it's just not believable. So team John, we love you. I'm also team John. But honestly, when you really think about it, I mean... The heroes of this story were probably the French students because if they, didn't, true. <laughs> if they didn't answer that phone, who knows what, what would have happened. Facts. Like an annoying joke actually turned out to be um, a good thing for Cass. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, obviously this book wouldn't exist. Like it, it's a fictional book. So obviously this was supposed to happen. But can you imagine if that hadn't happened? Like, man. Would have been really bad for Cass. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows how it would have ended for her? Yeah. Still unclear. Mm -hmm. B.A. Paris, how, you know, what was the plan? (laughs) (laughs) We have questions. We need to know. So I wrote down who I thought could play these actors. I don't, I just would love to see this as a movie adaption. And I don't have anybody for John. Kind of disappointed about that. I couldn't think of who could play such a wonderful person. <laughs> I still need to know his name. Like the the actor, the British actor that I'm thinking of from Pretty Little Liars. I cannot remember his name, but which I. Hmm? Which one? I believe he dated Spencer. And I. it's been a while since I've watched that series. So Is he like one of the main characters. Ken, it's been a while. I don't remember. I know he has Toby Brown, not Toby. Oh, right. Cause he's yeah. Um, man, I'm trying to look for you. I just see there's Ian Harding, which was Ezra, which is who Aria was dating. He dated Spencer, I believe. Julian Morris. Is that who you're talking about? Because I have him written down. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yes, yes, oh, okay. yes, yes. Okay, That's not it. for John, though. I wrote him down for Matthew. The see, reason why. I don't see him as a bad guy. But have you seen Cry Wolf? No. Cry Wolf is a 
like slasher thriller movie. Okay. I don't want to give spoilers. So if you haven't seen Cry Wolf, just ignore me. But uh, Julian can play a bad guy. I'll just tell you that. Okay. <laughs> See, I I just rooted for him to be the 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 good guy just because he was also a new girl. He I loved his girl. character in that. He was just, I don't know. I yes. love him. He's, yeah. I great. saw, yeah. When I was thinking of who could play Matthew, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we think him for different characters, but that I definitely thought him as involved in this movie. I also wrote down for Matthew, possibly Ed Westwick from oh. Gossip Girl. Because he's, you know, he can play kind of a good guy, but also have enough of, you know, this bad boy vibe that you're like suspicious of him. I like it. I agree with that. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Ed Westwick for Matthew. Julian Morris can be the the good guy. Yes. Please be (laughs) the good guy. (laughs) Um, What about Cass? I thought of Sarah Lancaster. I don't know if I know who that is. You do. She was, do uh, you remember Chuck, the TV series? I did not watch that. You didn't watch Chuck? No. Do you remember Chuck? Mm-hmm. Do you remember Chuck's sister? Yeah. Her. Aw. Yeah, that's who I thought of. I like it. All that's, right. That's a good one. I am looking at a picture of her. I still don't know who she is, but. I could have, I. Sure. I thought you watched Chuck. No, I didn't. Um. But yeah, I, I wrote down Jennifer Lawrence, which I'm not sold on, but I was trying to think of somebody that would be good in a suspense movie, and Jennifer Lawrence has done that. But I also wrote Emily Blunt. Oh, I can see that. I love that one. I'm more sold on Emily yeah. Blunt. She's yeah. great. Because we need somebody who's able to basically go through this breakdown. So Emily Blunt being you know normal, and then just having, you know, the severe mental breakdown, which she's amazing. So she rocked that role. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's who I thought of for Cass. Rachel. Rachel was hard for me, too. I wrote down Shay Mitchell. Hmm. I don't know who that is. That's a good one. So Shay Mitchell also has been in thriller type movies as well. Mm-hmm. She's also been the bad person in Mm -hmm. those movies before oh yeah 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 I could see that yeah so I was like she'd be a good one too because she can act really normal really you know friend vibey and then just have you know she can also stab you in the back (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) so that's what I thought I think that's a great lineup can we please have this movie made that's a that's an amazing lineup yeah let's have Emily Blunt as Cass Let's have Shay Mitchell as Rachel. And there's nobody for Alex because he's just too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm riding this Alex wave. <laughs> I really don't know who would play Alex, but. You know what's funny? I, I'm stuck on, for some reason, I'm stuck on the Chuck TV series, but Chuck, uh, his sister's husband, that's mm-hmm. who I thought of for Alex. Okay. Okay. I see it. <laughs> I'm starting to get on board. <laughs> I still don't know. I don't remember his name, but I can show you a picture of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, and then we have for Matthew, I would say Ed Westwick, I guess, Team Ed Westwick. Mm-hmm. And then for John, we have Julian Morris. Mm. <laughs> I like this lineup. 
Okay, let's get it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. I think it'd be a great movie. I see it. All right. So the other thing I wanted to do, Alyssa gave us these wonderful. Oh, go ahead, Rhi. I wanted to show you a picture of him. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I could see that as I can't see it gotcha, as a widow. on board. <laughs> widower. Is is a male called a widower? Okay. Yes. I, I don't so. see him as a widower. Hmm. A male. What does a widower look like, Jasmine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they Not have him. a specific look. <laughs> uh, well, um, Alyssa got us these awesome reading journals where we can write down a review and I didn't bring mine a quote <laughs> Rhiannon you're just gonna go off you have to go off your head then <laughs> so um I will start I wrote down my review so I said I absolutely love B.A. Paris and this book is another reaffirming example of her suspense mastery some of the plot was guessable in the middle however the web of deceit that is revealed is truly amazing, detailed, and believable. I would absolutely recommend this book to anyone looking for a read that will keep you turning pages till the end. And then my quote that I chose was the very first sentence of the book. I said, uh, the, the first sentence is, the thunder starts as we're saying goodbye, leaving each other for the summer holidays ahead. It's a good beginning. It's just like the thunder starts and here comes the breakdown. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was fitting. A little foreshadowing. A little foreshadowing. Yeah. What was your re- review, Alyssa? I did not write down a review. It's just a bunch of notes. <laughs> You're going off your head too. <laughs> What's your review? <laughs> um, I, I loved this book. I thought it was great. Um, like we brought out, there's like a few questions that I, we still have. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, it's a great book for anyone who loves mysteries and like whodunits. And I think, um, I would definitely recommend this to, to people. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What was your review, Rhiannon? Um, I really loved it too. I, I have to be like really into a book to read it quickly. Uh, and these, this was one of the books that I read pretty quickly because I was really into it. I really love mystery books. Anything like Clue, like any TV show, any movie, any book, I really love those kind of themes. And this is what kind of reminded me of Clue is it's just all kinds of different um, clues that lead up to a bigger picture, but you don't know what it is until the very end. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at too, was you both guessed Rachel and Matthew when we, you know, reviewed or when we talked about the first half of this book. But even though you guys pretty much were super suspicious about that, did you really know? I was always sure of Matthew for the most part. There was a time where I was like, oh, maybe it is John. But for the most part, I was like, no, it's it's most likely definitely Matthew since the very beginning of the book. Rachel caught me off guard until the very middle of the book. Okay. See, I was on board with both of them from the very beginning. But I will say that that is something that I really impresses me because even though I was pretty sure I knew who it was, maybe not why, but who it was from the really close to the beginning um, she still kept me in anticipation of trying to figure out why they're doing it and even had me doubt 
for a second. Um, one of my favorite characters or my favorite character. Um, so yeah, I just, I feel like it was really well written in that way. Normally if I had guessed it super early on, I would have been like, uh, you know, the book was okay. Like it was predictable, but no, she did a really good job of kind of keeping you hanging on and, you know, kind of throwing you off. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, I gave it five stars. I mean, there were the couple of issues that I brought up about, you know, the neighbor, about really not understanding the end goal of Rachel and Matthew's plan, but I still give it five stars. I think this is an excellent, well-written book, well-written suspense. It didn't, you know, I've definitely read suspense books where I get to the end. I'm like, why that? Why did, why did I read this? This was such a waste of time, but no, this is well-crafted for sure. Yep. Five stars for me. Five stars. Awesome. Well, yay. We had a successful book, The Breakdown. <laughs> Thank you, BA Paris for the journey. Yes. We have a Dang couple it. more BA Paris Dang books right. in our jar of books. Speaking we'll of which. Is it time? It's time. Time to consult the jar of books. Bree, do you want to do the honors? Sure. All right. It's time to um, for us to pick our next book club book. We need a like a drum roll or something. Devin needs mm-hmm. to hook us up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she is digging into the jar of books. What are we gonna get? So these are all books that we have put in from, I think most of these books we have read. Um, well, not all of us, but at least one of us have read. So what is it, Ri? It's another one of Jasmine's. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's do it. What is it? <laughs> Something in the Water by Katherine Stedman. Okay. Something in the Water. Is it another mystery? It is. <laughs> All of my books I put in there are mysteries, so you're welcome. <laughs> is it like a, another thriller as well? Um, I, I would say it's very similar to this. Yeah, very, um, you know, suspenseful and with a twist. Well, it's a good thing because I'm like still in the mindset. I feel like I have a hard time going from like a mystery to like a, you know, lighthearted, you know, or, <laughs> you know, something that's completely different. Like, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of glad we're still kind of going on the mystery. I'm going to have a hard time switching. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I really want to read some of your books. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll get there. there, though. You have really good taste in books, so I'm excited for Aww, this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, the next time you hear from us, then, we'll be uh, reviewing the first half of Something in the Water by Katherine Stedman. And if you want to follow along with us, grab yourself a copy as well. Read the first half of the book or the whole book. But come back and join us so that you can uh, join in our discussion, uh, fill out your feelings (laughs) about the book along with us. And then we also have our social media accounts. So please feel free to message us on there if you have any questions. If you read the breakdown, tell us what you thought about it. Give us your review of the breakdown. And, um, if there's anything you want us to talk about, uh, any, like any discussion questions that you would like to submit to us, please do that. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you for tuning in to our podcast and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Books Between Sisters. If you are a book lover and enjoyed our discussion, we'd love to hear more from you. Please feel free to follow us on Twitter or Instagram or both at BBS underscore pod. You can also send us book suggestions or questions at booksbetweensisterspod at gmail.com. Or if you'd like, you can find us on ko-fi.com forward slash BBS podcast if you want us to buy us any coffee, books, or just donations of any kind.